Thanks for joining us on the Cream of the Crop podcast dedicated to agriculture. We talk to top leaders, share top ideas, and discuss top trends and products. We get to the heart of ag and put the issues on the table. Welcome to the Cream of the Crop podcast. Today we have Jessica Shulkin and Tyson Redpath from the Russell Group. Hello, guys. Hi, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm so excited to have you guys here. I know I got to meet Jessica in person um, at the Washington conference with United Fresh, and it was so fun. And I was like, we've got to chat. And then she pulled Tyson in. So sorry, Tyson, you get to chat with us today. (laughs) Uh, You you were introduced to the much better half, much better looking, much smarter, much more insightful, for sure. How much did you pay him to say that, Jessica? I mean, not not enough, clearly. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Well, I'm super excited. Um, I can imagine that a lot of our listeners that are listening um, may not know what the Russell Group is or what they do. But before we get to that, I kind of just want to have a brief introduction of who you are. Jessica, we can start with you. If you'll just share a little bit about your background and what you do at the Russell Group. Sure, absolutely. So my name is Jessica Shulkin, as you said, and I am a principal at the Russell Group the Russell Group is a small food and ag, broadly speaking, focused um, lobbying firm in Washington. We serve a number of clients all the way from regional commodity associations up to major multinational corporations. Um, I had been at the Russell Group for a little over three years. And before that, I actually worked in the Senate almost my entire career. I worked on the Senate Appropriations Committee, and that is the committee that writes the annual funding bills that funds the government. I was specifically on the Agriculture Subcommittee, so we were in charge of funding the Department of Agriculture and the Food and Drug Administration. Um, I was there for over 18 years, and so the vast majority of my career in D.C. was spent doing doing budgetary stuff. And before that, I was um, as a, a presidential management intern. I'm originally from Kentucky, but I am uh, proud to call Falls Church, Virginia home now for the past long, long number of years. Tyson? So I originally hail from Oxford, Ohio. I grew up on a farm that my brother still owns and operates and manages and farms today um, just north of Cincinnati, Ohio, Oxford, Ohio. And upon graduating from the Indiana University uh, in 2000, five days later, packed up my Ford Explorer, moved to Washington, D.C., and began working for my home congressman, John Boehner, Um most of your listeners will know Boehner from his days as Speaker of the House when I worked for him. Uh, he actually was the senior most Republican on the House Agriculture Committee. He actually served on the House Agriculture Committee for 16 years. Um, and so my last call of duty with him, I handled all of his ag policy work, which was natural. Um sort of a natural migration for a kid that grew up in a farm in his district to come do that. Mm-hmm. And now I call Chevy Chase, Maryland home. I, um, I too am a principal. Is that the title we're using today? So I guess I'm a principal. <laughs> at, at the I heard somebody say well. it. Yeah. Um, and I have been here at the firm since 2005. Wow. It, it certainly sounds like I love both of your stories because they're they're both rooted in agriculture. And I think that gives a lot of validity to our listeners, which are uh, mostly going to be fresh produce growers, shippers and packers. 
um, which is our customer base. And that's pretty much who listens to our podcast. So I'm really excited to kind of talk about um, the role, the the very important role that you guys both play um, in keeping farmers farming, really. Um, we oftentimes forget about the, the behind the scenes work that has to go on, the legislation that has to be passed, the lobbying that has to be done in order to keep these businesses at the forefront of legislation's mind. So I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, the first question I have, and, and we'll direct this one to Tyson and then, um, Jessica, if you have anything to follow up with it, um, what are some strategies that you help your clients, like strategies on how you help your clients identify some goals? So you said you have clients ranging from commodity associations to multi-million dollar corporations. Um, how, how do you sit down and, and strategize with them to identify some, some goals that they have and then moving forward, execute that lobbying to successfully influence. Well, I think a couple of things. First and foremost, just identify geographically where they're at. Where do they farm? Where do they grow? Where are they producing? Where are they manufacturing? Um, you know, how many folks work for them? Mm-hmm. Um, how many generations have been involved in the business? If we're talking about uh, farmers and and growers. Um, but really it, it is important that, uh, we help them identify just, uh, where they're located and which congressional districts they call home to mm-hmm. that they have employees in, um, which states are, are important. Um, and then building that out suppliers, um, allied organizations, folks that they do business with mm-hmm. that rely upon that, that spirit of enterprise and that freedom to do business in order for them to be successful. I think second, it's to make sure that they prioritize. Um, and, and, and that sounds easier than sometimes it is, but you can't, you can't be successful if you're trying to achieve 10 different things. Yeah. Um, you, you can't be successful if you're trying to stop 10 different things. You really have to focus on, you know, uh, one thing Boehner always impressed upon us each year, we're going to set three, three goals, right? Here's our three priorities. Um, they can be broad, but nonetheless, you really need to prioritize in order to be successful. Mm -hmm. That's such good wisdom. I think um, the first thing you said about um, only not only figuring out like congressional districts and things that we often overlook when we're in the nitty gritty of running a business, uh, but something along the lines of that is is reaching out and determining that these customers um, or clients that you guys have are influencing and impacting way more than they actually think they are. As when you start sitting down and saying, okay, where do your employees live? And then where do they send their family to school? And where do they, I mean, the influence is so far stretched and being able to recognize that at your level is, is really exciting. Um, and the second thing you said was that you cannot be successful when you're trying to do 10 things at one time. Um, I love the importance of hearing that. And I think that all of our listeners, that's something tangible to take aside from legislation, just like in life, <laughs> trying to do, be the best at everything. I'm like the world's worst at this. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to do it all. And then end up like crashing and burning. Right. It's like, you can't do everything. You can't save the world at once. Um, so taking these like smaller tangible goals, I, I really love that approach. Um, Jessica, do you want to add to some strategies that you help your clients, how they identify goals? 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing that we do a lot of times when we, when we get a new client, right. It's because they have come to us because they have a, a specific problem that they want solved and they don't know who to talk to, or they've never, you know, you look at USDA and it's a hundred thousand people and who knows how best to get in that door and get into the right room and, and talk to the folks who can help you answer your specific question. And so really, I think spending time with our clients, I mean, we talk all the time about communication over communication. You cannot talk enough to, to really dive down to Tyson's point, the specific things that they want to address. And a lot of times, you know, it, it, it takes several conversations to get, you know, really to the point of action that you want to want to do. And the other thing that we, that we do here and, and I think we're very proud of is we also serve as a, a lookout for all of our clients, both for things that the federal government might be doing that might be concerning to them, or they might want to see them changes to, as well as opportunities that may arise that a company or a group may be in a great position to take advantage of, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, whether that's about funding or policy, but we have, you know, we spend a lot of time, going through bureaucratic documents and, you know, the loads and loads of information that USDA specifically and other government agencies are putting out every day to try to make sure that our, our clients are aware right at the beginning and they have the, you know, the very first notification of opportunities that may show up. I, I'm very appreciative of that mindset um, in the industry is like, oftentimes we can miss those things if we're not neck deep in it like you guys are. So serving as a lookout, Um, I certainly want to talk about that in just a second, but something you said really caught my attention. Um, And it was after, like, you guys have identified these goals. I I have a question. Like, it sounds silly, but, like, then what? Like, once you've sat down with your customers or with your clients and you've said, okay, now you know what they're fighting for, what you can help them with, then what does that process look like? Jessica, if you want to wrap that thought up for me. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different, I think, for every client. But typically, like I said, it's over-communicating with them. And then we figure out. What is the message that we want to take and to whom do we need to take it? For a lot of things, you don't necessarily need to go to Congress. In fact, um, we would always recommend if there is a USDA specific issue, you want to go to the, the bureaucrat, really, at USDA, who is the decision maker. And you don't want to raise your issue up to the level of a political appointee or to a member of Congress unless mm-hmm. you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. And so... We will develop a strategy, you know, what the first step should be making sure we have all the information and then figuring out who the messenger needs to be. Sometimes it's our client, sometimes it's us, sometimes it's, to your point, you know, other people in the district talking to a member back at home so they're hearing from their constituents and not from a Washington, D.C. lobbyist. Mm -hmm. So it varies, but I think the ultimate goal is to try to be very specific and then very thoughtful and targeted about who we're talking to and at what time in order to influence the process in the most, you know, the best way possible. Because as you know, it takes Congress a really long time to do anything. Yes. So a lot <laughs> of what we do is actually at the, at the department and not, you know, you don't try not to bring Congress in unless you, unless you really have to do that um, and save that for, for later. Such good insight there too. Um, I think a lot of times we can instantly be like, oh, we got to go to Congress with this and forget that there may be some simpler ways to to affect change that are going to be a little quicker, like you just said. Um, Tyson, (laughs) I did have a question for you. And um, if you'll just give me some insight into like how the Russell Group works with the ag industry as a whole, but specifically your clients, um, to provide agility. Good question. (laughs) 
Agility. Um, and, and are we talking about uh, in the marketplace with, with government itself or when you say agility necessarily, what, what do you mean? Really with government itself. Like how, how are you guys working with the ag industry to provide that? Um, what maybe, maybe one step ahead or maybe providing an opportunity for them to affect change. Like how are you working with them to, to do that? Yeah, I think the most important thing is to look not one, but two steps uh, in, in front of, in front of yourself in terms of one of the things I talk a lot about is, and I think we do a nice job of here is forecasting, right? And that's, that's something that really the origins of our firm go back to uh, when it was Lesher and Russell, Bill Lesher and Randy Russell, both worked as economists at USDA. And as you well know, the one thing that economists are great at doing is putting out projections and putting out forecasts. Mm -hmm. Now we can talk about whether those forecasts are (laughs) always accurate or hit their mark, but, but it is one thing that we've, we've done. And, And going back to, to my work on Capitol Hill, again, it was okay. If, if, if this bill is introduced, if this amendment is introduced, if we take this position, what does that mean two steps ahead? And Mm -hmm. I think that's just critical in in providing that agility. So I think for agriculture and for the ag industry here in Washington, uh, your point is a good one. We're always great at saying, look, this is what this has caused. Mm -hmm. This is the problem that we have incurred. But where I think we can all do better is anticipating and forecasting what is on the horizon um, that ag needs to begin thinking about now. And, And that's certainly something that I think helps policymakers avoid those unintended consequences. Now, a lot of times we take that and we go to members of Congress, their staff, or the department and say, look, here's what we see coming. And this is where we would suggest you avoid uh, that bad policy outcome by taking these steps. And look, sometimes they listen, sometimes they don't. Um, But forecasting is is absolutely a critical part of what we do. I think that what's really impressive to me just about what I've read about the Russell Group and you guys specifically, and now on this podcast, like, Everything that we've talked about is so futuristic thinking. It's like you just said, being two steps ahead versus like in the now. And we know the struggles that, that we're facing now. We know the issues. But more importantly, like you just said, is is what is coming? What is What do we need to be prepared for? What do we need to already start fighting for and fighting against? Because I think we have to do both. You know, we have to stand up for what's good that's happening, um, but also stand up for what could be detrimental to the industry and what's happening. Um Jessica, I think I, I wanted to unpack this whole concept of like you kind of serve as lookouts for your clients and you're, and you're looking for danger, but also opportunity for them, which is so cool that you're doing both because there's like the positive side of that too, which is really exciting. Um, but it leads me to this question and you guys are the ones to answer it. <laughs> what are some hot topics right now that you would urge the, our listeners, so the produce industry, to really get involved with or really look out for? I know there's a whole lot going on with infrastructure and labor and supply chain issues, but is there maybe one or two things that you could say, hey, as an industry, like make sure to know 
what your stance is on this. Is there something you could think of? I think Tyson and I could probably give you a hundred different answers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask us at a hundred different points in time in the yeah. same day or over the course of a week. But I mean, at, at this moment, if you look at uh, this administration and this USDA, I, I think folks cannot over over plan for what might be coming down the line vis-a-vis climate change and that understandably the COP26, the global climate summit is going on right now. All of the countries are making these big commitments. And that's something that I think is, I think is important because, you know, it's being driven, obviously USDA is supportive of it. The administration is supportive of it. That might very well change, you know, in in three years. But as or more importantly, I think that consumers are really, really pushing this and how, um, companies are, you know, can be more climate friendly and try to, you know, keep in check their carbon footprint. And that is, you know, ultimately that's going to impact what producers have to do on the farm. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, USDA has put out all sorts of opportunities to try to help farmers, you know, do a better job or take advantage of every opportunity to you know, implement some climate smart ag practices. I think that's going to continue. Yeah. Um, we've been watching that for, you know, a, a long, long time. It's clearly right in front of us now, but that's something I think that folks should be thinking about for at this moment and also really moving forward over the next couple of years, because you're just going to continue to see these climate goals and climate announcements being, being made by major companies. And, mm-hmm. you know, those guys buy all of their stuff from our producers. So yeah, exactly. So it is going to, I mean, it's going to affect all of us if, if it not already is. Um, but just encouraging our listeners to not lose your seat at the table when it comes to certainly talking about carbon footprint. Um, that's a good one. Yep. Thank you for that. Tyson, how about you? Is there is there maybe one, and maybe it's just one you're working on right now that's just like right in the front of your mind, but something that you could encourage them to stay involved in? Yeah, you know, I, I, I'm not sure how this translates yet in the public policy world, but certainly as we come out of, of this pandemic, um, there have been incredible shifts in how society, where society works, how it works, um, and necessarily, I think, where uh, it shops for food, mm-hmm. um, how it sources that food, and just the rise of, of e-commerce into areas. E-commerce is not new. We know that. Yeah. But certainly nothing has, I think, um, accelerated e-commerce in the food space. And I'm thinking more in the ag space, too, yeah. Yeah. For, from delivery of tractors to farm equipment, um, customizing operations online, um, and just really how that looks in the decade ahead after we've all learned now that, hey, you know, we can kind of do what we're doing we can shop where we want. It's also why we have, I think, tremendous pressure on supply chains now yeah. because that whole model looks different moving forward. Again, I can't define what that looks like from a public policy space, yeah. but I think more and more as we move everything we do uh, to a more individualized, on-the-go, remote, um, do what we want, where we want, um, when we want, um, from wherever we are, mm-hmm. that, that that is going to mean even more changes in food. And, and I don't know that people are necessarily thinking about that from a production ag standpoint yet. Um, 
in terms of how we're able to sort of adjust and customize our operations to yeah. do that. That's a great point of, of we're not sure if we're thinking that yet because I think people are still a little bit shocked in, in what COVID has done. And although I really wish it, you know, we we're all like, oh, I wish it would go away. Well, it's not going away. It's a matter of that we've shifted businesses based on how Correct. this has happened. And they're yeah. not going, quote unquote, back. You know, <laughs> it's not going back to the old way. We have to now adapt and, and adopt these new practices based on how our society is changing, just like you said. I think that's a great point aside from policy, just in production, how do we shift our operations to better serve consumers and what their needs are? Because those needs have also changed since, since COVID Correct. happened. Um, no, thank you. That, that was a great answer. I, the, the last thing I like to wrap up the podcast with, which I could probably talk to you guys forever because I love talking about this stuff, but um, our <laughs> listeners are probably going to want to hear this question. It seems to be a favorite. Um, and it's a selfish question, if I'm being honest. I just like to know what people's favorite part of their job is. So, <laughs> Jessica, will you tell me your favorite part of your job? Oh, my gosh. That is a great – What okay. What my favorite part about the job is, honestly, is how – Every day is different than the day before. Yeah. Um, and, and we're, I think Tyson and I, everybody here, we're really, really busy. Mm-hmm. But you walk in and you, you know, you think the day is going to go one way and you have a set of meetings with a number of different clients on different issues and then something happens and it completely shifts. And so yeah. you can never really get too comfortable because <laughs> the, you know, the issues are always changing and, and the people that you get to talk to um, and, and learning every day, because we do talk to literally, I think, everyone in the ag community in D.C. and beyond. Yeah. Um, those two things. That's my answer. Hands down. I love that. What a fun life. And some days you're probably very appreciative that it doesn't look like the day before. <laughs> you probably have some hard days. <laughs> Absolutely. I, we all do, right? Yes, for sure. All right, Tyson, your turn. Uh, it's probably the the part that that really the pandemic has um, has taken away the most of, and that's just the ability to meet new people, the yeah. ability to meet with people, uh, and the pe- the people that often come into Washington, your growers, the growers listening to this, our clients. Uh, it it might come as no surprise to you that. Uh, I'm not introverted, um, and <laughs> uh, I really do enjoy the interpersonal connectivity of, mm-hmm. of what it is. It's why, frankly, it's why I went into lobbying. Yeah. Um, it, it is for that person-to-person uh, discussion, debate. Mm-hmm. Jessica will tell you I'll, I'll debate anyone on anything and, and, and not take it personally <laughs> and, and really – um, just try to have good discussions and conversations. I learned something from, from each one of those interactions. Mm-hmm. We're, we're slowly getting back to that, but it, it's certainly not the same in a virtual setting. Um, yeah. And it's something I look forward to getting back to. Um, but yeah, it's just the, the human to human interaction of the, of the work that we do. It's, I- uh, it's rewarding. Even when someone disagrees with you, it's rewarding because uh, you often learn something about that person or, or even their perspective, you know, on life. Mm-hmm. So I certainly um, agree with you. I have a very similar perspective and, and I love that even in the midst of disagreements, like you still taking something away from it. It's so important. Um, but that interpersonal, I know that when I went to the Washington conference where I actually met Jessica, it was like one of the first things that was like back in person, you know, like everyone gets to see each other. And 
I just forget like how amazing the ag industry is until you're like sitting in a room with everyone and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like we're going to affect so much change. It was just so <laughs> exciting to like be with people again. It was so nice. Um, but I really I just, wanted to hug everyone I saw. Right? I, I very much appreciate that. <laughs> right. I agree with you a hundred percent. And now it's like, you have to ask like, can I hug you? <laughs> you know, it's that <laughs> awkward moment. Um, but it was really exciting and I'm just so thankful. I know you guys are saving the world one client at a time, so I will let you get back to it, but I'm so, so thankful that you took uh, just a little bit of time out of your day to share with our listeners and, and share with others the, the good work that you guys are doing that oftentimes feels behind the scenes. But if nobody's told you today, thank you for all you're doing. Thanks, Bristol. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. This podcast has been a presentation of Has Media Copyright 2021, all rights reserved. Be sure to follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at Highland Ag Solutions.